I hope you can be a little patient with you this morning. I'm trying something that um, I haven't tried before. I, I tried it once uh, last year about this time. My wife and I were um, ministering in Red Bluff. I was an interim pastor at a Baptist church up there. You have no idea how hard that was. <laughs> Great godly people really love Jesus. And I can't tell you how many times I would be praying for somebody and I would start to speak in tongues and go, because they would be terribly offended. You know what? It's fine. They love Jesus just like I do. They love Jesus just like I do. But I tried to do this kind of a sermon with them, and uh, I barely got into it, pronounced it a miserable failure, and just went back to what I know. So, essentially, you are the guinea pig this morning. Amen? Can you bear with me? Okay. So I have a little rant at the front here, and um, that, that is the new thing, So, because I don't really rant very much. <clears throat> um, this sermon will probably injure you. If it does, I apologize in advance. It's not my intention at all. I intend to kill you. <laughs> now, do I really mean that? Well, not on a physical level, no. But the Lord is interested in our spirit dying, our human flesh, so that he can what? Raise it back to life. And every song we sang this morning pointed in that direction, especially that he will not relent. Amen. Isn't that good? He loves you so much, he will not stop his pursuit of you, a human. He is God Almighty. Does he need you? No. Mm -mm. But he chooses to. And since he's chosen that, we are the most blessed recipients of who he is. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for those of us who are gathered here. We thank you for your word that has been already preached this morning. The good words that have come already this morning. And we thank you for them. I ask that we would have more of your words spoken now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're here this morning to answer a very old question. You've probably asked it. Why am I here? Why am I here? Most people ask that from when they're very young. What am I doing? You know, when I was a little boy, you know, I, I, we grew up in a little town, as I shared with you, and there were mountains all around us and a river and, and cows. Lots and lots of cows. There were probably 2,000 cows in my town of 75 adults. And most of them were milkers. And uh, so I learned from a very young age to milk a cow. And as I progressed in life, I learned more and more things of what you do on a farm, even though my family ourselves, we didn't have one. We had a vegetable garden, which was about the size of this church from end to end. And you know what I learned first? Weeding. You know what I learned about weeding? I hate it. <laughs> I learned to use a hoe, and I learned that a sharp hoe is much more efficient than a dull hoe, 
And you know what I learned all about that? It was just dull. There was no excitement to weeding. I could be playing football for crying out loud. This is ridiculous. But one thing I really loved about my little town is I could go up in the mountains. And I did from the time I was six years old when we, when we first moved there. And my wife is always amazed I'm still alive. Because you know what was in those mountains? Skunks. Chipmunks. We didn't have squirrels. Praise God, we didn't have squirrels. Raccoons. Badgers. Getting a little more dangerous here, aren't we? That's why we didn't have squirrels. <laughs> there was also bears and cougars. And I saw one once by myself, eight years old. A cougar. He was in a tree, evidently asleep because he didn't see me or God protected me or whatever. But in my infinite wisdom at eight years old, you know what I did? I ran away because <laughs> that seemed like a really bad place to be, really bad. And I, as I was running home, why am I in the mountains? Why am I here? Why am I here by myself? And I had forgotten my weapon, my wrist rocket, which is a pretty good weapon. David used something similar to kill a giant. Did you know the answer to this question is in the New Testament? It is. I'm going to show it to you. And the answer is to fulfill the law. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus already fulfilled the law, didn't he? Well, we are called what? Christians, which means what? Yeah. So shouldn't we be doing what he said to do? Amen. You'll make a difference when you lay down your life in complete submission to God and choose to die in him in service in him to others. Are there enough happy people in the world? No. But God called us not just to be happy, but to walk out with him. Go out in the outback with the Lord. To walk with him wherever he should go. Wherever he should think. You got called to make a difference in those you know. There are a lot of people that have never heard the gospel of Christ in this world and in your world. And why is that? A long time ago, there was this Catholic priest called St. Francis of Assisi. Probably heard of him. He made a very profound statement. Very profound. Be, in a, be a witness for Christ always. And if necessary, use words. That's a good statement, but it falls short. Because it is always necessary to use words. Because people could just think you're a nice guy. I've been told many times, you're the nicest guy I know. Hey, that's great. Everybody likes me. Wonderful. Anybody go into heaven because of that? Not one person. Never. Now, they might listen to me so that I can share with them how to go to heaven. That's a great thing. 
But that has to be said. People by themselves do not know how to get to heaven. All of creation, yes, shouts that there is a creator and a Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. But how do you get from here to there? When we live in a world that hates people so much as it does, how do they figure out how to get from hatred to love? Chris, when you met Allison, what happened? You fell in love. Like right now, saw her and that was it? Yeah, we were friends first. Friends first. So you began to learn about her, didn't you? And what happened to your life? Changed. Changed. Then when you started to court her, what happened? Changed even more. more. (laughs) Then you asked her to marry you. Then what happened? Changed even more. Changed even more. (laughs) And now you got married, and what happened? It's still, it's still changing. Amen. And it should continue to change. Let me tell you, I have three children. That will change your life a lot. <laughs> My wife and I have often talked, you know, when we had Isaiah, one child, our life didn't change that much. It was just kind of like somebody else going with us. Then we had Josiah. A young man born with a cigar in his mouth. Because Josiah, he looks at life like, it'll be fine. Don't get excited. Life's good. And he's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. He's just like, chill out. Good advice. Especially when he's your son. And our life changed some more. And then we had Rachel, and then we were outnumbered. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, when Rachel was born, I was certain that God had told me we were having another son. Now, there was a red flag there. Um, When when Debbie got pregnant with Isaiah, uh, the Lord told me his name and what he would be. And the same with Josiah. And with Rachel, I got nothing. Because I wanted or I thought it would be a son. She would be a son. And then when she wasn't, uh, I didn't panic really, but I was taken aback quite a bit. In fact, I was supposed to give her her first bath and you know cut the cord and all of that stuff, and I just disappeared. <laughs> I went and had some breakfast, because you know why? I was hungry. <laughs> and I got about halfway done with my breakfast and went, oh dear. <laughs> I'm supposed to be someplace, and I'm not there. And I showed up, and, and uh, Debbie and the midwife went, Aha, where you been, Clyde? You need kicked. Yeah, I, I did. I did. But my life changed radically at that moment because God surprised me with the most beautiful, wonderful, I can't even believe how great this is gift. And she has continued to be so for 21 years and probably will continue until I pass on. Because she is a wonderful, very small person. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Lord to the tune of whatever his life is worth. What is his life worth? Everything. So he must be Lord 
of everything. He decided we were worth dying for, and then he decided we were worth living for. Right? And not that just we might have life, but life more abundantly. You are a smart crowd. Who are you to tell him no? What happens when he asks of you and you say no? You might. But whatever it is, you miss out. God doesn't miss out. It's not hurting him other than he's sad for you. You can continue to tell him no to the point where you grieve the Holy Spirit. That is a grand mistake. That is a mistake that could cost you everything. Because you know what? Christianity, salvation, is a free gift, correct? So is righteousness. But it will cost you everything you have. It has to. Because to attain the righteousness that Jesus calls us to, we have to empty ourselves of all that we know so that there is room for all that he knows. When I was a young man, a youth pastor, just starting out, you know, it was my first ministry gig. Woo! And, uh, you know, 22. Yeah. I looked like Isaiah, only, you know, short. And um, the Lord was showing me some things. We were, we were at uh, Debbie's parents' house, and I'm sitting at their breakfast bar, and I'm studying because uh, it was a hot day, and we didn't have air conditioning. And so they did, so it was much better. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't remember what I was saying, but I said, Lord, there's more to this than I'm seeing. Please show me. In my youth and exuberance. And uh, you, ever, you guys know what a funnel is, right? And it's big on the top and little at the bottom. And you know how you pour something in it and it fills up? And if you don't slow your pouring down to the rate that it's leaving, it will overflow. This is what happened to me. And it was like it all got jammed up right at the, 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 the small part of the funnel. And here's, you know, mighty Craig, God of, or a man of God and glory and power, seeking God with his whole life. You know what I did? I got up and swept the floor. Because mm -hmm. I had to escape. It was too much. Now, God didn't hurt me. He wasn't interested in hurting me. He, but what he did show me is, son, you can't handle all I know. Can anybody quote to me John eleven thirty five? 35? Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Do you realize if you committed your entire life to studying those two little words, you'd never find the bottom? How great is our God? What are his depths? They are unsearchable. The Bible says they are unsearchable. It also says you can know them. So you should try. Sometimes all you need to do is give someone a Bible. And somehow it's a little weird to me that in my home 
there are more Bibles than I've ever seen in this church. I got a drawer full of Bibles. And as if that wasn't enough, you know, now I got it on my phone and my wife's phone and my children's phone. It's everywhere, the Bible. Yet how many people don't have it? But if you were to pick up a book, a very plain-looking, very ordinary-looking book, and hand it to them, and they would read it, what would happen? What would happen? You can hand them any number of how-to books, and none of them are as good as this how-to book. None of them will change their life like this one will, because this is eternal, and none of the rest are, even if they are a book about the Bible. There isn't ever been a commentary made, written, read, that is important as one verse in that book. I love you. (laughs) There are more pastors in the United States than the rest of the world. Do you know that? How blessed is this nation? Really blessed. Amen. And in the rest of the world, there are so many people that would give anything for one pastor. But they can't find one because there aren't any. Are you called to that? Oh, I'm not called to China. Well, probably you're not, or you'd probably be there. (laughs) I have wrestled with God most of my life to go abroad and be a missionary. You know what he keeps telling me? You got work here. You got work here. Go into all your world, Craig, and be a light to your world. Skip. Have you been to Skip's store? Yeah. yeah, I haven't been yet, but I'm, I'm fixing to. And Skip tells me these salvation stories in his store. God can meet you anywhere. And he will. Because you know why? He is everywhere already. Already, what is your mission field? We are mandated to share him with the world wherever we are. And if the Lord should somehow change his mind someday and call me as a missionary to Scotland, it's going to be great. (laughs) There's a long story there that you don't get, but you will someday. I don't believe God chose us and blessed us so so that we could heap more blessings upon ourselves. God chose us, and he wants to make a difference in this world through us. You know what's scary about God? He didn't come up with a plan B. It's you, and you, and me. He left the church here to do his work, to prepare a world and a church for him. The church is the only group of people. The church is the only institution in the world that can bring about the change we know is needed. Only us. Well, you know, Craig, there's predestination. You know what? Forget all that stuff. Just forget it. Look at each person as though they are your only mission field and your success or failure depends upon 
your success in their life. I shared with you a few times that I drive a truck. And what's really great about that is I have a grand vantage point to look down. And I can see people. And so the people that look at me when I'm driving, I pray for them. Because I think they're searching for something. Now, they might just be searching that they not get ran over by a bomb, <laughs> which is fine. They still get prayed for. Seek out opportunities to share his gospel with everyone. Because you know why? Every moment you take a breath is a new opportunity from him. I used to pray like crazy. God, just give me an opportunity and let me know it's there. And then he gave me this revelation. I went, that's hardly fair at all. (laughs) What are you doing to me? He said, hey, you wanted to work. I'm just showing you what it is. Because you know what? God, God is really simple. Really simple. And you know that by his statement that he said, I, I don't change. Can you even imagine the horror you'd go through if we served a God that changes, that was different every day, that was moody, had a midlife crisis? What kind of God would that be? Scary God. Scary God. The government, secular education, cannot and will not either bring about the change that's needed or allow us to further it with their help. They will not. Saw a funny bumper sticker once. You've probably all seen it. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in school. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. I went down to the DMV and had to take a test a couple of weeks ago, and I'll tell you what, I prayed a lot. I did. I not only passed, I only got two questions wrong. I was shocked. I thought I'd fail. Anyway. That's the end of the rant. I thank you for your patience. I hope it blessed you. I hope it challenged you. It challenged me. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. You know why it says gentleness there, not kindness? Kind is an action that you show by your words or your lack of words. Gentleness is still telling the truth, but not murdering the person while you're doing it. Anybody can tell the truth. Few people have tact. Patience. There's a good one. How many want to pray for patience? Now, I'm going to tick some of you off here. Because you've all heard, never pray for patience, right? You all heard that? How else you think you're going to get it if you don't pray for it? And you know what? Those tests that come after you've prayed for patience, that's not God. That's hell. 
God does not put rocks in the road for you to trip on. He is not mean. He is long-suffering and patient and kind and gentle and merciful. Grace, hope, and mercy reigns from the throne. Nowhere does it say mean. Even his wrath is for your benefit. God cannot be mean. He has taken it and thrown it out of his existence that it is not part of him. He cannot lie. Why? He doesn't want to. He forgets your sin when you ask for forgiveness. Why? Because he wants to. He doesn't want to remember it because it drives a wedge between him and his people. This will be a good lesson for you. When she ticks you off, forget it. Hasn't that worked well for us most of the time? Except for when? When I remember. When I forget if she irritates, which is almost never. She, she is such a good wife as far as doing what she's supposed to do as a wife is supposed to do. However, I am not that husband. I try, but... Um, and the Lord showed me, just, just as a little side road here, you all read Proverbs 31? And most women hate that chapter. Ladies, do you know that you can't be that person if you're married unless your husband is a Proverbs 31 husband? It is his responsibility to give you the tools to get there. I try like crazy for you that you can do that. And I fail every day. <laughs> Yet we choose, choose not to remember. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. How many like temptation? No, because we give into it, don't we? Boy, there's chocolate ice cream in the freezer when I get home. Oh, baby. No. Well, I'm trying to lose weight. Can I have chocolate ice cream? Sure I can. But I won't lose weight. No way. <laughs> Bear one another's burdens. So I'm, I just told you I have a burden. I'm trying to lose weight. Y'all ought to be praying for me. That's right. Thereby, let's read this again. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Why are you here? Bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You ever deceive yourself? Oh, remember that story I told you when I was a youth pastor? Yeah, I was a youth pastor. I was an elder in the church. I was 22 years old. Guess what? My head grew a little bit. There are times my hat wouldn't fit. 
Yeah. And you know who took me down a few pegs? Gently. Gently. Gently, she would remind me who I am. Because basically, I'm just a plowboy from a little bitty place in an insignificant state in a little county at the base of a mountain next to a river. That's all I am. No. I'm a child of the king. God's children are humble. Because we want to be? Yes. After we learn a few things. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. So when you lead someone to the Lord, you can say, hey, I told them how to get where they are. But you know the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord? He is not responsible for what Billy did in his life, only to get him to a place of decision. However, don't you think that man rejoiced every day that he told Billy about the gospel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a text from a friend of mine that goes to that Baptist church I was telling you about, and I've known him for almost eight years. And uh, he got baptized one Sunday a few, a few weeks ago, and they had a big ceremony for him in that church. And he sent me this text thanking me that I stood up and told him the truth and got him straightened out and got him on the right road so that he could make that decision. He came to the church in paradise once. Um, his mother had just passed away, and I preached that Sunday. And uh, my good friend John lost his career as a truck driver because of his heart. His heart is failing him. And if the Lord doesn't give him a miracle, he will die. And I knew that. I knew this was happening to him. And I asked our entire body to go over to him and lay hands on him and pray for him. And that anchored him to the Lord. Now, he didn't get saved that morning, and he wasn't saved yet. It wasn't until later. But that moment, he proclaims it as the moment that anchored him to the Lord. I didn't have to pray for him. The body didn't have to pray for him. I didn't do that myself. The body just saw a need and went to him because they loved him. Why? He's a person. Just because he's a person. We all have that capacity, don't we? Wouldn't you guys all do that? Right now, if, if we had somebody like that here, wouldn't, wouldn't you all do that? Sure, why not? What would be the option? Really stupid. <laughs> All other options are really stupid. Romans 8, 3 through 5. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through flesh, God did. God did. Did is a little bitty word, isn't it? But what, what, what is it, Isaiah, what, what's did? Was that progressive or? It's a helping verb, past tense. It was already done, right? 
past. However, because it's God, it remains today. I asked Isaiah because, if you don't know, he recently graduated as an English major from the University of Irvine. No, I'm not proud, and don't, don't pay any attention when I lose some buttons. Because, <clears throat> yes, I am too proud. <laughs> Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now think about this. Jesus died... As a man, didn't he? So in his flesh as a man, fully God, fully man, but in the flesh, he condemned sin. So you, brother and sister, in the flesh can condemn sin. It's okay. God said so. God made it so. God encourages you, us, we, the body, the church, to condemn sin. Now, if we're going to condemn sin, what do we have to replace that with? Righteousness, which stems from, has a root of, love. All of it comes back to God's love. Isn't that beautiful? Only one central point the root, God, is love. He doesn't have love. He is. So it is unending. The same could be said of grace, hope, and mercy. Compassion. Anything you want to attribute to God, it is unending in Him. Isn't that the best thing ever? I cannot use up all His love for me because He's crazy about me. You would be too if you knew me. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> but I love that he gives us condemned sin. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to be a slave to it anymore. You can condemn it out of your life. Well, then why do I keep doing it? Because you give in to temptation. I love that Pastor Doug loved these up here because alignment, right? You remember the umbrella? Pitch the umbrella. If you were born in Washington, you'd already know that. <laughs> but pitch the umbrella and get in the waterfall of the Spirit of God. Because then you will condemn sin. And as you grow, lo and behold, you will stop before you sin. Who wants to do that? Oh, yeah. I really want to do that. Notice how I said that? That tells you that I haven't. But I'm trying. And I want to. It possesses me to please my God. Sanctification. Amen. So that the verse 4, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What did that say? The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in who? Us. Amen. Isn't God good that he gives us a roadmap here? Fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. For those who are according to the flesh are set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. If you are a Christian, 
and your mind is set to the things of the flesh, what's wrong? You have some things out of order, at the very least. Playing games, playing church, going through life as though you have all the answers when in fact you do not. You have in fact deceived yourself. It is a true fact that you have deceived yourself. Just so you know, true fact is not a redundant statement. The truth is always the truth. The truth is it's Jesus. Doesn't he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? He is the truth. Facts are created by men. How many times have you been told, anybody who's 50-something years old, at least half a dozen times, probably a dozen times, that eggs are good for you? No, they're not. Eggs are good for you. No, they're not. They're good for you. You know why? God made them. God made hen fruit for you to eat. He created the chicken to lay an egg. He did not create an egg to give birth to a chicken. The Bible says he created fowl. Chickens can't fly, but they're fowl. Actually, some of them can. But anyway, that's another sermon. We won't get off on that one. Romans 13, verse 7. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. I don't like this verse. Because I work hard for my money. It's not a hard job, but I work hard at it. And I feel that if I got to keep my money and put it where it should go, I would do a better job than the government. However, even though on the dollar it says in God we trust, it says that it is a note from the United States of America. So it is theirs for me to use because I earned it. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now he did not say to give it to him if they want an exorbitant amount, which is what we're looking at now. Another sermon. However, Tax to whom taxes zoo, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. Why, why would you give fear to those who have fear? You know who we want to scare? Anybody? You know who we want to scare? The enemy. Yeah. I'm real big about scaring the enemy. You know what I found out about him? He is not afraid of me. No. <laughs> I have prayed and seen people healed. In fact, of the miracles that Jesus has done, the only one that I know that I haven't done, let me, let me qualify that. I prayed for somebody who once who I thought was dead, and then they were alive. Now, were they dead? I don't know. Pastor Doug was there with me, and we both prayed for this person. He came back to life. If he was dead, you know, we're not doctors. We don't know. We don't know. However, what I haven't done, and I just can't seem to figure it out, is walk on water. <laughs> that is funny, isn't it? What? Oh, multiply. I, I've not. Well, you know, maybe. We, we pray for our food, and it seems to feed us. So maybe yes, maybe no. But what I know hasn't happened is walk on water. And that is funny to say, isn't it? 
But you know what? I think we can. I, th I know we can. I don't know why we don't, in fact. Mostly I don't need to. Okay. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's got something to do with it. However, there's another thing that I am certain we can do. I know we can do it. Because we have the Spirit, and the Bible says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you know what I think that is? I think I can fly. Now, I may not fly till I get to heaven, but I'm going to do it. And when I do it, I'll be waving at y'all. Look at me. I'm flying. Because I really want to do that. I've been in an airplane, and I've looked down at the earth, and it, you know, it's really cool. And, and I have actually even flown a plane. I have no license. I have no lessons. And the guy was a little nuts that let me do it. But, you know, I was 18 and dumb. And it was so much fun. And you know what I did? I just held this little plane in a bank so he could take a picture of a mountain. She said, just don't move the oak. I'm flying a plane. Look at me. I'm flying the plane. He says, okay, give it back. Oh, well, darn. Okay. But you know what? That was a lot of fun. And I know that I know that God has that for us. Just maybe not till we get home. But I want to do it here. We'll see. You know, God might bless me sometime, and when nobody's watching, I can fly, and then I can tell you all I did it, and you go, Craig slipped a cog. He's, he's way out there. Honor to whom honor. Now, that's a funny one. Honor to whom honor. It's good to give honor to whom honor is due, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But you need to be careful there, because it's possible that the person that you give honor to, they don't want to be recognized. And then you embarrass them. And that's inappropriate, isn't it? Now, some people, you know, you need a little embarrassment in your life. Okay, come on. No, 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 no. You don't need a little embarrassment in your life. Because it makes you self-conscious. And it makes you not trust whoever just did that. Right? Sure. And as a pastor, you have to be very careful what you share from the pulpit. Now, I, I embarrassed uh, the two of you this morning a little bit, but I knew it was okay. No, we didn't. I didn't ask them beforehand. I just had faith <laughs> that it would be fine. And, of course, you know, I always have permission to, to embarrass my children within reason. And if I cross that line, my wife will let me know. Um, usually sooner than later, and it's painful. Not to my physical body. She doesn't, she doesn't hit me, No. Uh, but at any rate, honor to whom honor is due. It means basically don't lie. And here, here's a lie that, that you probably participate in. Oh, I never lie. Yes, you do. Because how many times do you not tell somebody, you just don't say anything? They make a statement about yourself or about them or how you feel about them or what have you, and you just, I just let them believe what they want. Lie of omission. It's a lie of omission. We hide that one. People are really good at hiding that one because you just have to keep your mouth shut. And it goes away. Floats away. Yeah. 
I need to work on that one. I, I, I do that a lot. Not on purpose. I just keep my mouth shut sometimes. <sighs> I've completely lost my place. I have no idea where I am. There it is. Thank you. Verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Do you know your neighbor? That's good. I know all my neighbor's names. Uh, We had one neighbor behind us. She was, Thelma was 100 and... But I mean, when she moved away, she was 103. 105. She walked like this. Precious, precious dear woman. Oh my goodness, what a sweetie. Um... She, we have a, a share of fence, and, and my trees had grown over, and we're rubbing the top rail. And uh, she used the top rail to walk because she's, you know, she's stooped over. And her caretaker asked my wife if she would ask me to trim those so that she could, because she couldn't run, run her hand down it because the limbs were in the way. And you, and you know what Thelma said? Leave those people alone. Get me a ladder. I'll do it myself. That's how you live to 100 and whatever. (laughs) But what a dear, sweet woman. But she was a Mormon. And you could hear, because she was just as deaf as a post. And she would turn on these Mormon programs on the radio, and they would be blaring, you know, for the whole neighborhood to hear. And you knew she was deaf because you'd ask her what they were talking. Oh, I can't hear them, but I know it's good. She was deceived. I, I hope, I prayed for her a lot that she would get past that deception because sharing Christ with her, she couldn't hear me. She, she couldn't hear me. It was, you, know, you try because, you know, in, it's in there somewhere. Well, you know, anyway. <laughs> Love his neighbor. Love your neighbor to fulfill the law. Now, this is how not to fulfill the law, Okay. Commit adultery, that's, that's not fulfilling the law. Murder, that's not fulfilling the law. Stealing, that's not fulfilling the law. What is stealing? What is that? It's taking something that's not yours. Is that just like... Is that the only kind of stealing? You know what most people steal and they never realize it? Time. Time. And when you steal time, you steal it from God. Because all time and space belongs to him. And if you waste someone else's time, oh, I'll be there at 7.30, and you show up at 7.35, you stole five minutes. You stole it. Because they're waiting for you. Now, I have learned to be a patient waiter. I have learned to not demand from other people, well, most of the time. I have learned to not, most of the time, demand from other people that they are on my timetable because patience is a virtue sought by many, known by few. I want to be one of the few. 
I have to be. I feel God's called me to it. And this is a good one too. You shall not covet. Covet doesn't just mean another person. It could be anything. It could be their favorite pen, their dog, you know, their rock garden. You know, maybe they've got an old pile of junk car in the backyard and you really want it and they won't sell it to you. You just knock it off. You asked, they said no, go on. It's all right. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that how we're supposed to live? In love. And if we live in love, what do we do by default? We fulfill the law. We fulfill his calling. For you were called to freedom, brethren, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God's good, and he's good all the time. And he always has for us a way that we can fulfill what he's called us to do. He will not ask you to do something you can't do. It might scare you. It might uh, cause you to think the Lord does not have your best interest. Well, he's going with you. And what's the worst that could happen to you? You could go to heaven. Yeah. Actually, the worst would be you have to stay here. <laughs> but we always put that. Well, that might kill me. Well, and? You know? We need to get that in our mind. Death is present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. What's better than that? Boy, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your plan. We thank you that it is there for us to figure out, to be a part of, to be part of you. I ask, Lord, that we would be changed this morning, especially me, that I would follow you the way I'm supposed to, that we all would, that this church would be a light in the Twin Cities, that people would recognize by our name there is life because rivers bring life. Got to have water. Got to have your water. Got to have water so that we never thirst again. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, please come and see me afterwards or see Pastor Chris or someone you trust here, but don't leave here and not know the Lord. Get that relationship started at the right spot that your anchor holds to him. We praise you, Lord, for all of these things. We ask, Lord, that you would be with the Dossie family in this time of need. And we ask again that you would raise Virginia up. We look forward in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.